Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore I Geek's 118th episode. I'm Tracy. I'm Becky. I'm reading. Come back to me later. <laughs> Alrighty then. And the three of us are actually here to talk mostly about The Handmaid's Tale, but we're going to jump first into some of the current events, geek community and non-geek community. So I always, if I see something that's really cool for these little bits that we do at the beginning of the podcast, I always just click save on Facebook now. That That's where I get a lot of this. I wouldn't say the majority, maybe 50-50. But I just scrolled through and it says, in the past month, I have saved Ruth Rachel's giant chocolate cake recipe, a baked custard recipe, a thick and gooey chocolate chip cookie recipe, and chess pie squares recipe, as well as lemon bars with olive oil and sea salt. I've been on a diet for the last three weeks, so apparently instead of current events, what I'm doing is saving recipes. Trying to find so. ways to eat and not get fat. <laughs> you know, yeah. so I, I was going to save this for the, uh, the end, but I've been watching the Great British Baking Show, and uh, so oh. Oh. I might have to borrow some of those recipes. <laughs> it's fantastic so i don't actually just have one of the things is not actually current events so we're talking about the handmaid's tale the show we talked briefly last week about handmaid's tale the book and and amongst other stuff that was geek related and so this week i was shared a video on facebook called they finally made a handmaid's tale for men and this is funny or dies video in which the main character is a man having to live in a feminist world. And it is legitimately hilarious. So you mean like today? <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Just a normal guy trying to live in a, in a world where everyone actually takes women seriously. And it, it's really funny. I'll throw it in the show notes. So we'll definitely talk about that. And then the other thing that I have for, for news is actually everything you need to know about season two of The Handmaid's Tale. So spoiler, the very last episode of Handmaid's Tale, the, the show ends exactly where the book ends so at this point there's not a whole lot of book original source material left so i mean even those of us who have read the book have no idea what's coming next so we'll talk about that actually more towards the end but i know you guys have some interesting stuff becky you were talking about carrie fisher yeah carrie fisher's autopsy uh was released and basically it doesn't really say much it's saying that her cause of death is going to be listed as undetermined. She died from sleep apnea, but she had also taken some medicine or some some drugs. It's not clear whether they were prescription drugs or illicit drugs. And with her, you know, rest in peace. But either one is is an option. Just don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Or you'll but... wind up like Carrie Fisher. Right. Well, and a beautiful princess, an amazing general, and also dead. Yes. And but... also a crazy judge on that terrible Fox like movie American Idol show. Did you remember that? Where they I were going to try and do an American Idol for filmmakers, and she was she was one of the judges. It was like her, Brett Ratner, and the guy who directed Pretty Woman, and she was insane. Oh, I mean. No. She was she was, she was legitimately crazy, but she also owned up to it. And that's one thing I read a quote from Billy Lord and I can't find it right now, but it was something to the effect of my mom had issues and she knew them and she was trying to fight for better mental health care, better drug addiction rehab. And, you know, she was very lucky in that she did have access to supports. Yeah, and I mean, her, it's very I heard sad. her stand up was legitimately funny. I've only read parts of her book. I haven't actually, I never saw her show. But apparently she was very candid, but also hilarious. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch that for a while and I just haven't. But maybe now that it's summertime and all I'm doing is sitting around with my feet up, I'll do that. Did we have any other news? Talk about Adam West dying on the last podcast because I don't remember. I don't think that we did. Well, Adam West died a couple weeks ago. <laughs> this is so sad. Yeah. He died on the tenth. We recorded on the eleventh, but I don't even know if we mentioned it. I don't think that we did. But I yes, so the the original Batman, the original television Batman, television. Sorry, I should have clarified that. Yes, the original television Batman. The but he was eighty eight years old. That is not youthful. No, he was he an old just... guy. He had he had a brief uh, battle with leukemia, if I understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone remembers him. I mean, our generation, I think, remembers him more as the mayor of Quahog, uh <laughs> than as yes. Batman. But I remember him as the principal in the se- in the third season of Pete and Pete. 
there was also oh. Cat, yes, I remember. Catman on Fairly Odd Parents. Let us not oh, forget. Yeah. No, he had. Oh, what God. I like to see completely embrace that whole goofiness. And he had like an interview years ago with Neil Cavuto on like Fox Business or something. Where he was actually doing a lot of work with like prostate health and, and prostate health awareness and stuff like that. And he was asked by Cavuto, do you ever regret doing the Batman role? And he was like, no. Like, he was super, like, don't you dare. Like, he almost got angry. <laughs> That's awesome. And, you know, they shined the bat signal out over L.A. to honor yeah, him I'm shortly after the, he the passed. Like, yeah, which I thought was really, really sweet. So that's all. I mean, rest in peace, Adam West. We, we're happy that you were here for a while. Entertaining us all. Yes. Entertaining us all. So the meat of today's podcast is about the sh- the Hulu show handmaid's tale which blew up after the first couple and after the first episode everyone was watching it everyone was talking about it it became as dude repeats so frequently but realistically it's feminist nightmare porn and it is it totally is is. i kind of like the feminist nightmare porn (laughs) (laughs) so i i watched i did not watch it until this week when i binged the whole thing so i I had not seen any of it and I was, uh, I will, I will be totally upfront. I watched the whole thing, all ten episodes yesterday, all of them. Becky, and... were you getting angry texts as she was doing it because I was. No, but I, I wish I was. Angry, <laughs> <laughs> Just I was, I was a little frustrated. And Kurt, this is funny. Kurt bailed after episode four. He was, I was just sitting there. I was like doing some laundry, folding laundry, and watching and watching, watching. And then all of a sudden. I look up and I realize that my man is not sitting next to me on the couch cuddling anymore. And I, I go to find him and he's in the bedroom watching videos, like woodworking videos on his iPad. And I'm like, what happened? I mean, did you just not like it? And he's like, I just, I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't. And he's just shaking his head and going, I couldn't take it anymore. I was like, okay. But he, I think he was responding more that it was right after the birth episode. Mm-hmm. And he said, it felt like a coven of witches. I didn't understand what was going on. I just had to get out of there. And I was like, okay. <laughs> So he's a little ridiculous. I, I like to think of this as my revenge for Tracy making me sit through Westworld. I loved it's, Westworld. You I, hush. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's like I did not like Westworld at all. Like I mean, I almost <laughs> bailed after. I would have bailed. He tried on to Westworld. bail. Dude, yeah, dude really... tried to bail on it, sending us like this text, like, "Sorry, man, episode four can't do it anymore." And we were both like, "What? You get your butt back in there and you watch the rest of this? You have to be on this podcast." <laughs> because I actually kind of like the show because it expanded on like a very vague book. So I was it was a very like, vague book. But I vague. guess the expansion is what I disliked the most. I just kept going. Wait, so they're also guilty of this other bad thing? I mean, come on, guys typically evil in the world does not rub its hands together and go more ha 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 and i definitely got that feeling from... oh you know except except when it's evil against women it's everyone going ha ha let's let's be mad to girls including other all, women yep which was we all my know we all issue. do that right that's that's the patriarchy Woo-hoo-hoo, spooky <laughs> okay the all seeing so... all evil all present source of all evil in the world the patriarchy <laughs> Okay, so dude, you you enjoyed this at least a little bit, if no, only for the hand wringing. So did yeah, and I, I actually overall... enjoyed the expansion, the expansions to it. What was my overall what? You're just just your overall like. Give me a sentence or two on on your overall impression of this. Well, I mean, like I enjoy these kind of dystopic totalitarian stories, so I'm, it's already a genre that I like, and it's not they're not hard to figure out, right? At the base, all these stories are about are violating people's right to free association, right? That's really it. At the very base of it, it's Alfred is with a group of people she doesn't want to be with, and she's being made to do something she doesn't want to do, right? That's it. And then the same thing with the brothel sequence. It's like all those people, that's their punishment. All those people are there. They're not allowed to leave. They were given a choice, quote unquote. But again, that's the basic right to free association. It's it's just, you can't do it. It's what, what makes a job not slavery? Consent. What makes sex not rape? consent what makes taxes not theft roads it's always roads that's <laughs> but more to the point that's the basic story so in that sense it is it is a, uh, on its base level your standard totalitarian story which is always you know don't let this happen i mean that's really what the david Brin says about all science fiction 
it's not saying this will happen or it's going to happen. It's just don't let it happen. But with The Handmaid's Tale, at least with Atwood, they were trying to be like, oh, no, this is already happening. This is so easy. It could happen like tomorrow. Here, Ooh, spooky. And that's where you go, all right, stop. Let's just enjoy the, the craziness. Because it was crazy. It's just yeah. goofy. It was, it was, it, it's, it's a parody that didn't know it was a parody. That's really how I felt. I don't know it. that it didn't know that it was a parody. At some point, oh, it's, it's in, in a few moments when I wasn't raging at the screen, I was <laughs> also thinking, honestly, this is not, there are a couple things that I'll point out, but this isn't terrible. It's more the reaction, I think. It's provocative. It gets the people going. And that's basically what it did. And it did it, I, I guess, very well, because, I mean, that's all anybody was talking about for at least a couple of weeks. Yeah. So, anyway, so Becky, what did what was your overall impression? Because we haven't really talked to you about this yet. We talked, dude, and I talked about this a little last week. I actually agree with dude. What? <laughs> um, but I generally like dystopian stories. Anyways, it's interesting. I think where this is different from other stories, and I brought this up on the Wonder Woman podcast, is that it actually shows the evolution to a degree from the original society to the dystopian society, which is neat because we never usually get to see that. Usually the the society has been well established and it's just accepted. And I wonder, you know, how much of the the pushback would be there in a few generations when women can't actually re- like now it's illegal for them to read and write, but they all can because they already knew how what would it be like in a few generations after women can't and the the suppression and oppression has been more deeply ingrained but it's it's interesting and i agree it's it's not going to happen people are freaking out way too much because for one thing it does have the sci-fi aspect of it i know dude you had mentioned like this is not a sci-fi dystopia but the one aspect that it does have is the infertility aspect. And that is kind of how they developed this society and convinced people. Um, that was like a major driving force in convincing people to buy into this society was the whole infertility thing. And that's that's not happening right now. So... Yeah, that was the big linchpin that Yeah, no, that was the big linchpin of the story that was the only way I think Atwood could make it work or the producers could make it work. And the thing with the flashbacks, this is where I thought the show fell apart in certain areas, is when it tried to show you how this Sons of Jacob came to power, they were it was completely unconvincing. Like I just I was like, that doesn't make sense. Like I could It was a little too easy, wasn't it? Yeah, just... but where the only area where I thought they really could have had an interesting kind of discussion, but they wouldn't want to do it, was if you had a society that literally had a massive biological or chemical infertility problem, like, and they mention it in like a brief flashback of could collectivization, because that's what the show is in another sense really about, and what a lot of these dystopian stories are about, is a collectivization of a scarce resource, i.e., Babies. Babies. The next and, generation, yes. Right? Then it would make sense in an extreme case to collectivize it or try and protect it in some way or or emphasize it. The question would be, is this method useful or is another method or method C useful? And the show never spends any time, like, rummaging through that. You know, it just focuses on the method that they're using to try and stave off a disaster, which is just an aging population that they can't replace. And you get a hint that it's happening elsewhere in the world because of the Mexican delegation, but you don't know if this is a problem in Africa, India, Russia, China, all that kind of stuff. You never, I don't think I heard it, but it is like, there, that, well, that's a and question it, they We don't know if those, about. we don't even know if those places still exist. So one of the big right. things in both the book and in the show is this idea of the colonies one of which I believe they mentioned briefly is Australia. I don't know. Well, if the U.S. is even remotely close to what the U.S. is now, why is Australia our colony? My my thought is that there has been some kind of a natural disaster or unnatural, you know, nuclear explosion that has caused the problem. 
And this goes back to my overall impression. I have no idea what this woman... So Margaret Atwood is the author of the book, and apparently she had at least some input in this part of the show. Perhaps we'll have more in ongoing seasons. What is she afraid of? Is she afraid of the patriarchy? Is she afraid of nuclear power and the possible side effects of that? Is she afraid of religion? Not, it doesn't seem like she might be well, the entirely is yes afraid to- of that. The answer is yes to all of it, but I think in her worldview, it all goes back to patriarchy, right? That's the unseen prime mover of all evil in the world that creates all this misery. So if we just get rid of that, then we'll be living in a land of plenty, gumdrops, rainbows, puppies, and rabbits. Like but that's, she's also that's... got a ton of classism issues as well in this society because sure. the way that they approach collectivism of of breeding and of the next generation is not let's go find all the people because one one has to assume, and it's sort of hinted at but never directly addressed, that the men are also having reproductive issues. It's just never blamed on them. You know, many, many, many of these men are infertile, but somehow it's only the wealthy and powerful people who are getting the opportunity to breed when it's very clear that some of the younger men actually are more viral and therefore... Fertile, I think. Better. What? I don't know if the men are viral. I think they're virile, I think is the word. Virile. Whatever. They could be viral, They are. can actually create children. And so one would think that if you're really collective, collectivizing yeah. the next generation, that you would keep an eye on both. But then well, that's where the sort of weird patriarchy slash classism thing comes in. It's all very, very strange. No, it's weird. It's because patriarchy hurts men too. Before It does. But so <laughs> yeah. the, the next thing that I would bring up just in my intro is that I thought the book was a little crazy because there's this top idea that this society is trying to correct or, or a problem that this society is trying to correct. And that is that there aren't enough children. Plus also some people think women with wearing shorts are sluts. So there's yeah. these two issues, apparently very and large. global warming. Don't forget. And Don't forget global warming. And, and organic <laughs> food organic. farming and <laughs> power. Like these yeah. are all the other things that are sort of tagged in there. And the occasional mention of refugees who knows? So all of that is is on the surface, but their approaches to taking care of it seem a little lackluster in the case of the infertility, not addressing the fact that the men are also infertile. And then or um, and then the next thing is the show goes so much farther. It's not just oh, yeah. the yeah. badness of collectivizing a woman's body, you know, making making those women who can get pregnant a national resource. But then it also throws in, let's see, I made a list. Rape, maiming, being anti-gay, female genital mutilation, slavery slash legal trafficking. And then at the end, they hit the sanctimonious refugee card in episode 10. Mm-hmm. Although, to be honest, I wrote that down. And then by the end of the episode, I was like, okay, they didn't harp on that quite as much as I was expecting. So give them a pass on the refugee thing. And it's it, it is season two. It's a, well, and it's a current event, so I understand why they were touching on it. They were trying to make this very, very relevant. So, really, all the bad things? Ever, all the bad things? It seemed a little kind of crazy. All the bad things! <laughs> so, in the first two, by the end of the second episode, we were halfway through the source material. Right. And well, so it bounces it around. More well, well, let's, let's slow down for a sec, because I, I want Becky's take on this. Because you, they go through all the collectivization stuff. Which is a fairly like, you know, it, the show's trying to be somewhat prescient and political. And the, the collectivization, we all saw that, we've all seen this in like 1984 and other left wing communist dictatorships. All they did was overlay it with a bunch of right wing behavior, right? Like religious right wing behavior. But y- y- to your point, at its source, it's all the same thing. It's all collectivization, it's all violating the right of free association. So mm-hmm. you can go down that list again and. There's nothing unique about about the behavior, right? We talk about this a lot. This is Hitchens used to say this all the time. Totalitarian governments are cliched. They all do the same thing. Just in this particular story, and I and I'll, I'll, I'll at the risk of repeating myself, the these kind of stories just reflect what scares the crap out of the creator at the time. So yes, there's collectivization, but it's overlaid in this fear of, you know, religion, the right. And men, <laughs> in some cases, right? That's really, that's kind of what it is. So we can all agree it's bad, but it's just that's what's scaring the author this time. When but, was the the book was written a while ago? Eighty five. Right? Eighty five. Okay, yeah. yeah. So it's like as old as we are. 
mm-hmm. and there was a resurgence of religious uh, right wing extremism at the time. Yeah, right. I, I think I said last episode like Billy Graham ran for president. I was wrong. It was um, Pat Robertson. Pat Robertson. Yeah. Falwell was also taking off at that time. There was a lot of radio right wing. You know, the Five Hundred Club had just gotten its or Seven Hundred Club had just gotten its Club. start. Focus on the Family was a rising star. I mean, these things are old hat these days, but at the time they were, it was big. And there were a lot of fundamental independent Baptist churches starting, one of which is the one I went to seminary at. And at the time it had like 20 people and now it has three or 4,000 people attending. And it was also the rise of the mega churches. Mm-hmm. So I could see why someone might be a little concerned for sure. I'm sorry, Becky, go ahead, go back. Oh, to no, I was, I was just trying to pinpoint when it was because a lot of people have been saying this TV show is born out of today's society and today's fears, but it's actually fears from 30 years ago. And mm-hmm. some of them are resurging. And a lot of that has to do with the internet and clickbait and all the things that we're exposed to all the time now, um, all this information, and we take it as fact that a church that has like 30 people is trying to take over the world. I mean, they they are probably, well, they are are probably pretty small beans. (laughs) Right. The, I think the funniest that I ever saw the funniest thing, and I'm not going to be able to find this again because these things get shared and then they sort of disappear. But there was one headline that said, and it was from like left wing special news.com or something dumb like that. (laughs) It was, Hulu's Handmaid's Tale is born of Mike Pence's America. This is Mike Pence's America. And I'm like, well, probably not. I mean, he's okay with his wife shopping at Safeway. So I feel like. <laughs> no, that that's just ridiculous. That's just, <laughs> this is so over the I think sci-fi had another, sci-fi.com had another article where the author was like, oh, it's not that, I wish I could I could dig it up. It was short, but kind of silly. It wasn't that. Handmaid's Tale is the way things are going to be. It's just the way things are now and have always been or something like that. And it's like, no. that's not even true. <laughs> that's not even true. Like, calm down, people. It's just a story. And we want to make it feel like it I don't happen. really know. It, it could, could happen. happen. You can suspend your disbelief to see the world shaping itself in that direction should something catastrophic happen and people be afraid. And that was one kind of thing. So separating the hype and the controversy away from the actual show itself, I thought there were some very subtle things that it did well showing the concern people genuinely had. So it's it's a natural thing when things go wrong to look for a higher power, a bigger purpose, you know, something in control so things don't feel so spiral like they're spiraling out of control, right? Well, if if this happened, clearly it was either punishment for something bad or in a greater plan for something good. And so you see everyone outside the hospital praying as she, you know, is in labor as the main character, Alfred slash June. I, I don't remember her the book giving her a real name though. You, I think you, they specifically you, you... said that she didn't have one. You don't get her name in the book. You have to kind of deduce because that's the only name. Like June is kind of the only unassigned name in the book. Okay. So you have to kind of assume that it's her. And in the story, they they give her the name June outright in the first In the show, yes. Yes. But I think to your point, I think this is where the show missed out was it had an opportunity to maybe give voice to – why people were behaving in this way not the people who were oppressed like we understand that intuitively right it's again we we understand the rights violation when we see it but the opportunity to hear a rational or reasoned position from the sons of jacob like or the people who weren't really in their think tank but signed up with them Mm -hmm. we don't really we never really see that so if we're led to believe that this is possible we're never given a, a reason why a, re, a rational person who grew up in a in a 20th century liberal democracy with all the you know rights and privileges would all of a sudden turn around and say, you know what, this is different. We have to go this direction. It's ne- we never see that. We're ne- the, the, we're never given that opportunity because not to say that that ha- it has a valid con- it's a valid concern. It has a valid position, but to show you that really smart people can do really crazy things if they really believe it's the right thing to do yeah and the show misses that completely i think it attempts to get there by showing 
Serena Joy's kind of backstory a little bit. You know, like we all six minutes of it. Right. I, I, I really want to delve deeper into that because we we discover that she wrote a book. She used to hold rallies and be a very important and influential person. And how did she approve of a place where she's no longer allowed to read or write? She has to sit at home and knit and do nothing else for the rest of her life until yeah, some other like, lady has a baby for her. No, I agree with you. There's a, there are parts of this book where you go, there's no way this is going to work. Like everyone knows this is stupid. Yeah. And like the, the show, closest thing, yeah. the closest thing that you get to that is that she starts to form. I would say that perhaps Serena Joy's original idea was a very different place from the final result. And that at some point she was shut out of the government she herself was creating. Right. But they don't do a very good job of clarifying that. Although, uh, Becky, I agree with you. I think this is the most interesting person in this whole show. I think Offred is actually one of the least interesting characters in this entire show, which is the same with other... Well, with Netflix, Orange is the New Black, the main character is also the least interesting character. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's nice that there is this opportunity to look past the vessel that's being used to tell the story and look at everyone else. Nick has an interesting backstory. Although by the time we got to Nick's origin story, I thought, do we have to know the origin of every character on the show? Right. I mean, I guess we're getting to Rita eventually. And no, I get, I get you for your point. And I think that was on purpose. Like usually the main character is not the most interesting. Like in these kind of stories, it's in every man or every woman who is the primary person. And it's the, eccentrics in the periphery on the margins that brought about this world that are of course the most interesting so the reason why that's the case is is you know of fred or june is the is the everyman and she is she's our vessel through these eccentrics and you go who the hell thinks like this right because she's our access to it she's the regular person going what is what's he you know, she's supposed to be the only rational person there, or at least she was like, what is, how is this going on? Like, did anyone stop and think this is a bad idea? This is a really bad idea. No one <laughs> right. thinks it's a bad idea but me? This is a bad idea. And yeah. it's interesting because I think all the other characters are so much more complex. And you see, you see kind of this bipolar nature of every single one of them. The commander, at the beginning, I was like, Okay, he seems to, like, genuinely care, you know, as much as somebody can care uh, in that position. But he wanted to make sure that Offred didn't kill herself, basically, and mm-hmm. offered to play Scrabble and let her have some remnants of her old life. And he seemed to generally want her to be in good mental health, as good as she could be. And then by the end, no, he's just an evil prick. And same with Serena Joy. Like sometimes she's very, she cares. Obviously it's only when she thinks Offred is pregnant, but uh, then she is also an evil psycho bitch. And Nick, you're like, okay, he's an I, but, uh, <laughs> but now. But why he... is he an I? Maybe he has a backstory right. that, yes, absolutely. And Rita, I'm so, so intrigued. She is a very interesting person as well. I am. That's actually one backstory that I'm interested in. So what about casting? Because this is this is very interesting to me. So you've got Serena Joy in the book. She's a much older woman. I pictured her in her late 50s in the book. Yeah. Yeah. More she's even described because... like gray hair and stuff like that. Yes. And, and again, in the book, this and not to compare it too much, because I realize that they are very different things the book and the the show but in the book much to your point at the beginning becky this the society was much more settled in we didn't have a second generation of women that didn't know how to read or write yet but we had the whole thing had been happening for a solid 10 years or so because serena joy had been on tv at the beginning of the movement for sons of jacob long before they took over the government and so She's now aged and her husband, they, they, need a, they need a child. So she's, she's very young. She's very beautiful. But then what about the casting for Moira, who, of course, is, is, is it Pussy from Orange is the New Black? Is that yes. her name? I think so, yes. And, of course, I mean, Elizabeth Moss herself, who looks terrible in HD, by the way. Her skin yeah, no, just, is just true. 
I honestly, I think the only actor that I really like in this is Joseph Fiennes. I actually think he delivers a really subtle, strong performance. Like, there's parts where, especially in his face, there's there was a scene where where Serena says something to him, and he he starts to twitch on his on his right side really subtly. I thought this it was is the actually, commander, by the way. This is the commander. Yeah, Joseph Fiennes is the commander. He's the only one I really. Other than that, I'm not particularly impressed with the cast. I mean, they had the chick from Gilmore Girls in it. I but liked her. Other than that, I didn't. I didn't really. I don't really care for the casting as as a show. If we're just talking about as a show, I thought it it execution left a little bit to be desired in certain aspects. I did. I liked Alexis Bledel as Off Glen. I thought she did well, and I the the one I really like is um, Janine, who's played by Madeline Brewer. She yes. does. She does crazy very well, but crazy, but you understand why she's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've been really impressed with her and she's very young, but I was, I was impressed. I actually, this is terrible, but I like Anne Dowd as Aunt Lydia. Mm-hmm. I think she provided a very subtle and complex performance. You can tell she genuine, and this this matches up with her character from the book too. It, mm-hmm. She's a much more complex character than you're led to believe in the, at the beginning when you meet her at the Red Center. At first, you think, oh, she's just a woman who gets off on telling girls what to do and hitting them with cattle prods, but truthfully, she seems to very much care for them as well, at least within the limited scope of her religious views. Well, she is the true believer, right? And these are the characters you want to learn more about. Is is in her mind, they are saving the country. And this is just the grim process they have to go through to save the country. It's the same thought press process that any totalitarian government goes through. We are going to lose everything if we if we don't take these extreme measures. So like you but said, Anne Dow did a great job of it though. I think she right. really nailed that subtlety. But well, what we don't hear is like just more of why do they really think this? Like what what are they what are they keeping from us? Like what are the actual birth rates? What are the actual you know that kind of stuff? And I think I think the reason I I also like Anne Dowd is because even when at the end you can see that she genuinely cares, you can still see that same person when you go back to the the first couple episodes and she's just you know horrific. Whereas, like I said before, everybody else seems so bipolar. I feel like, you know, Serena Joy doesn't... I like her, but yeah. She melds uh, the two halves of her yes, personality. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, whereas I feel like other people, like with Rita, who I'm very intrigued by, but I feel like she doesn't do a good enough job of melding her two halves together either. In some, except for when she offered Serena Joy the drink, I was like, hmm. I was like, actually just going to go there because that scene was always interesting as they were talking and Serena Joy asks, you know, about her kid or her, her, her Rita's son comes up. This is the only time I ever cared about that character because I, I actually have no interest in her at all. Like they could not cast that, that character in season two. I wouldn't miss it. And she says, my son died in the war. She didn't say what side. Right. I, I loved that, that part. <laughs> yes. Right. She didn't it... say what side. And I was like, okay, now we're interested. Because otherwise, I, I just, for whatever reason, did not give a crap about this character at all. It was the only time I found her interesting. Yeah. yeah and I, I didn't. Did, I noticed that as well. And and then, of course, Serena Joy doesn't even ask. She just says, thank you for your sacrifice. And I'm thinking, are you, are you really thankful? Because you don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I felt like that was so subtly done it wasn't like oh obviously rita's son was on the other side or something like that it was she just left it there and, and you're left this. to interpret it how you will i will say this i just remember the other the second of glenn um mm-hmm. after what was her name of glenn too it was um i guess her name is tiwani uh, jones is the actress. Mm-hmm. She she kind of lays into Elizabeth Moss's character. Like, I get it. You don't like this. But before this happened, I was getting, like, banged by three dudes behind a dump truck so I can have my fix. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I find really interesting is the people who are like, wait, no, this world can work because we were in a crap hole before. Even though they may not be right, 
they have a legitimate cause to like fight for or something like that. And I have found like that kind of, she was someone I want to see more of, not not Rita. Well, and I think that's a good point because so many times, especially with all of these, you know, Facebook clickbaits and stuff, they're directed at middle class American white women mm-hmm. who take yoga classes and so that like that's what she said. And you know, for some people, this society might be better than the society we live in now. And we know... Or at least that society. Uh, right. Yeah. We we know that, of course, it's not because you're giving up all of your freedoms. But at the same time, yeah, it's easy for some of us to say, oh, that's a just terrible society. But for other people, it might be a pathway to a better life. You know? And like, Joseph Fiennes does... To- does Her- say he goes, you know, better, you know, better doesn't always mean better for all or something like that. Yeah, which was nice. But I always felt like you know, I just felt like the show misses a couple opportunities, especially like, for instance, the protest scene where the, the soldiers open fire on the protesters. What a weak need water bellied scene that was like I remember watching that was like episode three or four or something like that. And I went it was like the music was terrible. The, the special effects with the blood looked terrible. You didn't really see anyone get shot. You didn't feel any kind of threat. Like, here's a show that really had an opportunity to show you what, you know, the iron heel of a, of a totalitarian state can look like and just whitewashed it completely. Which I, is hilarious to me because they make no bones about showing all kinds of other gruesome things. Direct, speaking of breastfeeding, direct breastfeeding. You, ha- you saw the umbilical cord being cut. And I'm just sitting here going... Wait, but they they don't want to show any kind of death or gore. I mean, any everyone dies a little bit off screen. I'm just except for the one girl that was hung because there's no blood in that. And I'm going, but you're totally willing to show a girl with her knees apart and her umbilical cord coming. Like, oh my god, really? This is such a double standard right now. Oh my gosh. Okay, just that scene with the the wives (laughs) pretending to give birth. Oh, that. I was just watching that and I was like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm I'm like laughing through it. And Andrew was like, what on earth are you doing? I'm like, I'm watching The Handmaid's Tale. Because um, it was just, it was hilarious. Yeah, as somebody who's about to go through that, I'm like, yeah, I don't think you can uh, just pretend. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. That was the female equivalent of not washing a, a sports jersey, hoping you get the results you're looking for. <laughs> Exactly. To be honest, the birth scene is just as a whole doesn't look like it's written by anyone who has been pregnant or given birth. (laughs) No. I'm going to defer to you two on that one. No, that's not. No. Well, the only thing the only thing I liked was that the men were in the other room, and that's totally I'm totally okay with that one. Just go to the (laughs) other room. In my dad's day, you were in the waiting room smoking. It's the way it should be. Wow. So the one other thing that I was going to point out, and I understand this from an aesthetic point of view, and this is a a show decision. I get that you can't really have a main character that it's deformed in some way, but I would like to know how Janine crossed her arms and rolled her eyes and lost one of them. Mm -hmm. But Elizabeth Moss, I'm sorry, Offred, I can't see her as anyone but Elizabeth Moss, so it's very (laughs) hard for me to use her, her show name. Offred helps Moira hold an ant at knife point ties her to a pipe and stuffs her mouth full of cotton and then runs away and is returned only to get the bottoms of her feet swipe sw- switch which i know hurts but really but still like, arms for things and feet for things and tongues for things and you just got the bottoms of your feet whipped because yeah you- wow i don't remember uh do you remember Jan- the janine character getting her eye plucked out in the book because that might have just been something the show <laughs> answered because yeah. i do remember the the feet getting whipped was definitely in both. But the eyeball thing, I was like, I think they just wanted something gruesome. Yeah, exactly. They were trying to show how, how far this regime was willing to go. Mm. But then I'm going, but then you, after doing, I mean, all she did was roll her eyes. It wasn't even like she really mouthed off all that much. I mean, yeah, not really. And, I guess and it was it, just, I mean, a strategic decision set an early example. I get well, but there were so many maimed girls. I mean, you see this at the when the Mexican delegation comes in for the dinner. You see so many girls that have been maimed in some way, visibly, that mm. are asked to leave the line. 
Right. I don't know. It just seems... And, and then, of course, then you see a very high-powered commander lose his arm for infidelity, which I thought was an interesting choice as well. Yeah. I actually thought they were going to castrate him. So did I. When I saw yeah. him build in there, I'm like, oh, it's coming off, I guess. But I guess they wanted to ensure that his line continued or something I like guess. that. I guess. I don't know. For a show that is about a society that has completely desensualized copulation... It sure was sexy in a whole lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, it was super hot sometimes. <laughs> well, I have so, so I haven't read the book, but is is like sex even among the husbands and wives illegal in Gilead? Because that seemed to be implied. Because you have the one yeah. scene where Serena Joy and the commander, you know, get it on, and then later he says that his dalliance with Offred was because Serena brought lust into uh, into the house. And I, I was like, are scene... they not allowed to have sex? They're married. I think the scene where they were getting it on was a flashback. Cause, like, no, there's... definitely not. No, it it's was not? immediately it was immediately after the dinner when she rocked the whole thing, like put the whole oh, event okay. on. Yeah. But I will say, I don't... My impression was that it's not illegal, but it's considered immoral. Well, this is like, I don't know. So we... If you remember 1984, in that in that book, the the society wants to eliminate eroticism, like the you know the the uh, Winston's wife refers to sex as the duty to the party, and mm -hmm. this is almost like again, like I really do think Atwood grafted a lot of elements from 1984 into her book. I mean, and, if you're gonna write a dystopian novel, yeah, maybe. and but like I don't know, I and mean, maybe this is just not, if, I don't know. If, how much thought was put into justifying what was added? Because, like, you're, like, you're right, you're left with this question, like, why can't they? Like, the whole point really was, if you're married, you can get it on all the time. That was the that whole That wasn't point. brought up in the book, though. So there no, were a lot wasn't. of things, like, we we mentioned in the last podcast episode that the idea of being gay was a problem in this society, but not brought up in the book very much. They called them gender traitors, but didn't reference them. Of Glenn was not gay. She didn't have a wife. She just was, and this is kind of funny to me because she was a member of the resistance and that's why she disappeared in the book. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, why does she also have to be gay in the, in the show? I mean, well, it goes to your earlier point. It's, it's how many bad all... things can we stuff into this one world? Oh, they don't like gay people. They're bad. They don't like Jews. They're, they're bad. They're like, just let's shove all they, they, apparently they're really good about recycling. The so, <laughs> right. They're really good about recycling. So, I mean, they can't be all bad, but you know, they're just like, let's make them bad guys. Right. So what's, what, I mean, and what, and they do want to make it prescient in some way. Cause I think if you did a direct translation from the book, you would have went, Oh, this is a joke. But if you if you stuff a bunch of stuff in there that's been going on today, oh, it's super obvious they're bad. Well, yeah, obviously. As if violating people's like rights to you know to free association isn't bad enough. I will say, as someone with a religious background that knows the Bible pretty well, they misquote and quote out of context so many Bible verses. It's bizarre. Wasn't that and the point? Yet... I think no, that's no, no, no. The point. Like, no, because does that. well, it, it does. You are absolutely right. I just find it amusing that they misquote, for instance, at one point of Glenn goes and has sex with Nick for the first time, sanctioned by Serena Joy, mm -hmm. which is, I find even creepier than the whole sex on the lap thing with the husband. I find it creepier that she also sent of Glenn to the this other dude's. Sorry, Alfred, yes. See, I, again, I'm just in my head. I keep saying Elizabeth Moss. Uh, she sends Alfred into the... But then stands next to the door and kind of glances over there. I mean, lady, super creepy. Super creepy. Yeah. But anyway, so... I like girls who they, like to watch. That I thought it was kind of cool. <laughs> of course you do. So she immediately asks of Fred, if Alfred if she feels different. And she goes, you don't feel pregnant 30 seconds after a guy comes. And then she quotes something about... Before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. Well, that's in the Psalms, and it's God saying it to the psalmist David, saying that I wanted you to be a prophet of the Lord. God does—I mean, in the Bible, God knows things that, you know, the mom doesn't necessarily know. So it was quoted entirely out of context, and yet they ignore Hebrews 13.4, which says, Marriage is honorable with all, and the bed undefiled, which specifically says, look, if you're married, please go have sex. 
Right. But I think that's the point that they're trying to make, is that religious fanatics aren't really religious. They will just use elements of a book to justify insane behavior. I think that was the point. They are supposed to be purposefully ignorant. Uh, and yeah. it, it kind of like goes into an Islamic terror thing, right? It was like, well, if, if Christianity can be twisted to this level, then so could, you know, what's going on today. I, I think that was what they were shooting for. I think it's also, and that's, I think it's ahead. also interesting that you never see anybody going to church or, I mean, they, obviously you see them tear down the Catholic church, but those guys aren't really Christian. Right. But you don't see, you don't see church. You don't see them organizing and getting together in a church service or, or something that you typically associate with, Christianity, religion, but also cult. You, right, you have a right. gathering. And so I find that interesting that that wasn't addressed. It wasn't shown at all. I, I understand. And I do think it go, just goes back to what they're trying to show is here's a society that doesn't really believe what it says to believe. It's just trying to justify completely insane behavior. Yeah. I, and that's the thing. It's like, no, they're not really that religious. They don't go to church. They just they just take women out of their homes and try and impregnate them because reasons. Yeah. Go, Trace. <laughs> no, and, and that's absolutely true. So a, uh, some other things that I wanted to bring up, Luke's background story and the, the story and idea of the daughter. So let's start with Luke because I actually found episode seven, which is the story of what he did after he and Alfred or June were separated um, in the in the dash to Canada at the beginning. I, I found that the most compelling and interesting episode of this whole thing. It felt much more dystopian than the other stuff just felt sort of like an anti-religion, anti-collectivism rant. Mm -hmm. What did you guys think of Luke, of that story? I mean, and of, of their both, decision to have him leave his wife to marry her. Of both, wait, Luke and... Well, I'll, I'll return to the idea of the daughter, but oh, currently okay. I'd like to talk about Luke... His backstory, coming, being married to a woman named Laura, falling in love with June, deciding to marry her. Becky, why don't yeah. you jump in and talk about that? So I, I was so confused at first when Aunt Lydia referenced, referenced Alfred as being an adulterer, because that came before we saw Luke's backstory. And I was like, how was she an adulterer? She was married. And then I'm like, oh, okay. Which also begs the question, how did they knew yeah how did aunt lydia and all of them know but yeah census I, records yeah it was censored that's how they used it, it was census <laughs> but yeah i found that episode and luke in general uh very interesting especially because you realize that although the people who are trying to escape um who are now refugees they realize things are bad you also see that they don't quite realize how bad they are. Luke doesn't realize that they're killing people. You know, the one, I forget what her name is, but she brings him to, to the church and shows him all the Zoe. people. Zoe. All the people hanging there. And he didn't realize that that was happening. They have the other girl who's, who's mute, who was obviously rescued from a red center. They don't realize what's going on with handmaids. They don't realize the extent to what's happening they just know that they have to get out of there, which I think is interesting. And and then when the Mexican delegation comes, you see that really nobody understands what's going on in this country. Um, so to to get Luke's perspective is interesting because I think it also shows you a little bit more about how this society could come to be in that nobody knows what the fuck is going on. And then yeah, I, I don't walk know. into the little uh, coffee shop too, Mora and June, and the guy calls them sluts and tells them to get out of there. They don't want their money, and they're both going, "What the fuck, dude? Like you have no com customer service skills at all." Right. With the with the whole Luke sequence, I actually enjoy, I, I did like the expansion. I just didn't plot decisions. I didn't like, so I didn't mind them showing us what really happened to him. I'm just mad he survived. Same thing with um, her friend Moira. Special. 
I didn't. I don't. And I knew why because they want them for season two. But I enjoyed it a lot more when they didn't. When Luke didn't make it, or basically had no idea the daughter. We don't know. Have any idea what happened to the daughter from the book? And I like that. I was going to say we don't know what better. Luke did. I don't think we knew that Luke survived in the book either. Yeah. I think that she was told that he might have. Right. I and prefer so it was... if he were dead. Like I just I would and like Moira, I think in the book is described as being killed. I think I think or I disappears think she... a second time, I think. Right. And I and I I know why the show let them survive. I just hate that. I just think it would have been far more impactful if these characters got offed early on. Overall, yeah. this whole thing would have been stronger as a miniseries when you yes. don't have certain plots open in order to have a season two especially in the fact that we ended at the very end of the source material so it's all open at this point i mean and so i i got a news article that came across my desk that said something like margaret atwood will be much more involved in the second season guess why or something of course had a clip clickbait title and i thought well duh they've run out of source material they need her help as to what she thinks is going on next of course that's true but what about the daughter so now we've discovered that the daughter is alive and Mm -hmm. serena joy has figured out where she is and i'm guessing that she didn't know that the whole time i think that she knew that this might be a good piece of leverage and so i to be honest i personally thought it was perfectly reasonable for her to bring the girl out she did nothing bad to her she just brought her out, showed her, which I thought was actually kind of nice. You get to see your daughter. Yes, okay, it's nicer if you get to hold her. Yes, it's nicer if you... But, but given the society, that's never going to happen. So now you know she's being taken care of. You do know she's alive. And instead, you're calling this woman a monster because she says, look, don't don't damage the unborn baby. Like, please just mm-hmm. don't. I don't know. Right. I, I, don't th- I don't think that scene had quite the effect on me that they were expecting. It <laughs> and maybe it's just because I'm having a baby in a month, but uh, it had a major effect on me because yes, you get to she got to see her. She didn't get to talk to her. She doesn't know what her mental health is. She doesn't know where they're actually keeping her. Are they prepping her for a life uh, that's the same as Offred's, just to be raped every month and and used uh, to be turned into? you know, basically a slave like a Martha, you have no idea what is happening to your child other than she's alive. And, and also your child doesn't know that you're alive. And what does that do to somebody's psyche? I thought that that scene was very powerful. Oh, like I said, I would have just rather the kid be dead. I like, that was the thing. I just didn't know they were going to kill that child. They were definitely going to hold on to it. Right. But no, but I, I figured... well, we also don't know if the child is fertile. I mean, I my right. my guess is that just as many of and this is kind of the sad thing, all of the children that they paraded in front of the Mexican delegation. I mean, how many of them are capable, even if you are able to propagate another much, much smaller generation? What's the likelihood that they also are damaged? Right. I don't know that this has any kind of long term ability to keep the the population alive. I don't know. No, it, it probably won't. And, as, and I think as we, it gets demonstrated over and over again. Anytime the government tries to collectivize something in the, in the hopes of protecting scarce resource, it, there immediately becomes an actual scarcity, which they don't delve into here. But, well, you know, it'd be, the ir- irony would be that they're, tr- they're collectivizing handmaids in the hopes of increasing birth rates, and they're probably just going to decrease them faster. But with the religious cult mentality they are probably going they can probably justify it for a couple of generations as being okay well all of these women were sluts and were horrible and were sinners and so we were punished with infertility but now we're raising this generation to be good and holy so they're not going to have the same problems and you can get away with that for a couple of generations probably before people catch on well you can only, well, that's you the thing, can only like, get away with it as long as the men are actually virile they right that's the whole point it. is their ideology doesn't allow them to alter their their methods right and, and we see this in communist governments in the early 20th century is here's the approved communist marxist method of farming oh it starved a bunch of people let's just keep doing it more <laughs> right that's a, we're just doing we're doing it wrong we're not we're not being brutal enough right so that that 
hasn't been seen yet. So, I don't know. I, that's why I would I would rather the society should be falling apart a lot faster. I would suspect. So I don't know. I, like I said, the daughter is I mean, there because they need a season two. I get it. I would rather it not true. be there. Well, I was going to say it may be falling apart as well. We're in a tiny, what looked like a bit of a gated community in Massachusetts, which those are fairly popular up there. It were, and we're only looking through the lens of Offred. So for all we know, the society is falling apart on the fringes because, you know, this is a hub. Right. The mm. suburbs and then the rural areas are always a lot looser when it comes to the centralization of government. So we have no idea what's actually happening on the borders. That's true. We have no idea how they're exerting their influence on the on the lower 48. I'm just, I'm really curious as to how they're going, how many, I mean, how many seasons are we looking at here? I mean, I guess yeah. it's just until it's not profitable, but in the... Yeah, the, that's and, the way and, television generally works. Well, and not to, again, not to compare too much to the book, but at the end, and again, this basically the same point that we're at with the show, the entire narrative stops, and then there's a, an epilogue in which... And I'm losing it. What's the, the what's university the, professor? It's basically. a university, an anthropology professor yeah. is lecturing to a group on this manuscript that they found. They're not even sure if it's true. They do know that the the population of Gilead declined shortly after, but then it was the entire thing was overthrown. It sounds like the the entire experiment only went on for about 15 to 20 years at the most and then fell apart entirely. So... Mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious. I don't know what they're going to do to keep this going. But I know because it's television, it's going to be crazy because they always have to up the ante every season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is and there I... anything you're looking forward to from season two? More brothel sequences. <laughs> okay. You would. Yep. I'm I'm just really curious where she's going. And, and who has. Yeah. yeah. It, that whole she... scene where they take her out of the house was so unconvincing. I was like. Dude, just call the phone up and be like, why are people in my house? Like, just it, like, just call them. They're like, he's like, can I see a warrant? Oh, we've got it taken care of. Pick up the phone. You're a commander. That's how they do these things. But I think it was meant to show that the commanders don't have as much control as they think. Mm. If Which... and only if they don't pick up the phone. Well, yes. I also don't know how, uh, how all those guys got into the house without Serena and Fred Noticing. I know. They, they only oh, noticed when... Nick let him in, but... Well, I think Nick was the one who let him in, but I was like... But still. Pick up the damn phone! <laughs> Tell your guards not to let them move until you get this sorted out. Yeah. Use that white privilege, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is gonna... You know, oh, and speaking of white privilege, the one thing I did notice, the one bad thing that they don't have... They don't seem to have a whole lot of racism. Although yeah. I didn't see any black commanders. Yeah, there was. There definitely was. Oh, there was? Okay, so... Yeah, there doesn't seem... Everything else, classism... In the book... I went down the list, but... They were, like, sending, like, they they sent Jews and blacks back to their native country, scare quotes. Yes, Uh, and they did hang a Jew in... I saw the Star of David on him in this, in the show. They do have a few of them that are in the background. But to be honest, I think the Judaism thing is, is about the religion. I don't think it's about the fact that they're Hebrew. I don't think it's a racism thing. I think it's a religion thing. Right. Right. Yeah, but that was basically you. Did, but, but what I'm saying is, there was a one black commander in episode ten when they were doing um, was it Commander Porter's um, tri- trial. He was he was kind of in the. Oh center. yes. Okay, that's right. Okay, when they he was in front of the tribunal thingy. But that was just an element of Gilead. Was that they they sent, I believe they sent blacks back to Africa and they sent Jews back to Israel. But in like rickety boats that sank, so it was like that sounds about right. Ne- negligent genocide or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did know that about the book that yeah. that there was an element of racism. So, and it had me wondering when you see Asian, African American, etc., handmaids, like, do they get assigned? to to families with similar racial backgrounds so that the kids actually look like the try to look as much like the uh, yeah. the Original. the Gilead pl- uh, parents as as possible I don't know yeah I'm not sure because I feel like for those people that would be important to them overall it does seem like it fits I think they swapped it for the fe- fem- female genital mutilation which didn't make any appearance in the book at all 
No, that was something they definitely just kind of shoehorned in there to freak you out. I was so that was the one where I got really mad. I was like, I know, I got nasty. I, I was, I was, I was along for the ride with just about everything else, and I'm like, really? That's not <laughs> even that much of a problem here. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, I would have been more okay if it had been what is it that they put on Alan Turing on? Chemical castration. Chemical castration. That's right. Yeah. I would, I would have been, I would have understood that. I would have understood hormone therapy, but really, I guess it's <laughs> yeah, that, just cheaper. Yeah, that was just shoehorned right in there. Oh my god. Anyways, overall, not terrible. I don't recommend binge watching it. I think it would have been better if I'd watched week to week. But... I think I feel the same way about the show I felt about the book. It's all right. I liked it, but it this doesn't go into the pantheon of great dystopian stories. No, it just yeah. it shocked a lot of people who were already on edge from the election, and mm-hmm. so they made it much more relevant for today. But overall, I cannot bl- I, I can't blame that on the showrunners at all. Yeah, you can. So. There was their decision. Well, it was their decision to make it happen, but I don't. I I think that the mass panic and craziness that happened on social media wasn't really their fault. Yeah. Oh no, that I think was the marketing team's fault. That was somebody else. The showrunners. <laughs> They, 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 but hey, they definitely had. They you know what happened? Like, all three of us watched this. it, and all three of us are now on this podcast talking about it. Yep. So yep. I guess it worked. I can't fault them for that. <laughs> Anyways, all right, guys. So other than The Handmaid's Tale, what have you been into, Becky? Uh, well, like I said before, uh, been binge watching Great British Baking Show, uh, which is the exact opposite of The Handmaid's Tale. It's so pleasant. It's just. <laughs> kind British people baking breads and <laughs> surprisingly a lot of fun. Um, other than that, I've pretty much just been uh, getting ready to pop this kid out of me. Um, which is soon. Like which super is soon, soon. Like in a month. Um, we all get to know what Groot's actual name is. Yes. <laughs> I'm very excited uh-huh. about this. Um, It'd be really funny if it's actually Groot. No, that would be amazing, though. <laughs> or even tell. just like a lowercase g as a, a second middle name, and we all know what it stands for. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm going to have to talk to Andrew about I'm... that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he he can leave at any point at, right now. Um, You're about ready to serve eviction papers? Yes, absolutely. I am so swollen. And uh, yeah, no, he, he can just, he can leave. He's good. <laughs> well, and you you put together the the crib, right? So yes, uh, although this point, we're good. Although Andrew needs to tighten. So the reason Andrew has not been on the podcast is because he's been overworked lately, uh, fourteen hour days, seven days a week. So I'm like, okay, well, we need to get this nursery in order. So I went ahead and put together the crib and put together the changing table except i have um pregnancy induced carpal tunnel which most people are like i didn't know that was a thing neither did i (laughs) oh god yeah so (laughs) trying to like tighten the screws and everything um he's like i'm definitely gonna go behind you and tighten all the screws before we put our kid in this crib i'm like that is not the worst idea you've ever had (laughs) so (laughs) Uh, so yeah that's my life in a nutshell (laughs) Times. What about you, dude? Um, I'm enjoying not being married and ex- not expecting <laughs> a child. Um, I believe most people just call that freedom. Uh, <laughs> I bought yeah, another Margaret game. Oh! coming for you, dude. Yeah. Bought a, I bought another game. Um, I it was, you a, were... was a little ten. Just was shut it up. an expansion? <laughs> no, wasn't. It was. It was like a little ten dollar game. Here's the thing: when you find these little ten dollar war games, you, you know that like. They don't print them, so you have to like buy them or they disappear. So I, I did one of those things. That's what and, he keeps telling himself. Right. Yeah, that's, that's how I how I explain it. Um, just binge watching The Office. Hmm. We're up to the the James Spader episodes. It's still it was actually pretty funny. I, I gave up around season six and it went to season like nine. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching episodes I had never seen before. And other than that, just um got back into playing Total War Warhammer or Warhammer Total War. Uh, nice. Campaign. That's the quicker so, one, right? No. Oh no, no, no! I'm sorry. That's the video game. That's the video game. Yeah. Okay. Yes. It's the video game. That's not quick though. I have like, th- hold on, let me check. Uh, 359 hours on this game. 
Now, to be fair, oh, like, okay. No, this is the hours... one that we occasionally bring up because you have such a huge number of, of hours racked up. Yeah, it's between that and, oh, what is it? Empire Total War. I have like, a lot of hours on that, or Total War, where is it? Yeah, like 359, but like 10 hours of that is because I, like, I left the game paused and like did something, but that's still a lot. And then the other one has 289. Out of 354 hours, if you tell me that 10 of those hours were doing something else, I, I it doesn't matter. It doesn't, doesn't impact it at all. Much, no. The percentage to, of that is so low. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So I, so I have been, I just finished the House of Cards season five. So I'm super, super, super behind on that. And it was interesting. After the first two seasons, I feel like that slowed down a lot. But I will tell you, now that I live in D.C. and have for about a year and a half, I see the intro very differently. Because I'm like, oh, I've been there. Oh, I drive by that all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know right where that is. And it it's a little bit less intimidating, that intro now. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Union Station. I have no idea how they managed to shoot a picture of that statue with no homeless people underneath of it. Because <laughs> that's just, they're always there. Um, I just signed up for Hulu. I have this idea, this idea that it's going to take a lot of my life for a while. And um, I've been reading a couple of books on the Inklings. So that's basically what I've been up to. That's uh, foreshadowing to a soon-to-be podcast, I think. Yeah. Well, I don't know about soon-to-be. It's going to take a little bit of research. But yes, we will definitely be doing that one. Cool. Alrighty. All right, guys. If you like this podcast, then please head over, over to thereforeigeek.com where you can find other older podcast episodes and older blog posts, including a guest blog post that went up Friday of this week. You can also find us on all kinds of social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can find this podcast and other podcasts like it on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. So once again, I'm Tracy. I'm Becky. I'm Dude. And you've been listening to Therefore I Geek.